You know, I always say that if you keep doing what you're doing, you will stay in the exactly the same spot where you are. If you change your things a little bit, you're going to move a little bit. But when you're going to look back, what you have done in a month's time, you'll be amazed how much you have moved. You know, At, and my managers, if I don't believe in them, then, you know, what's the point of doing, of being here? What was the point of hospitality? Hospitality is all about caring, caring for our guests and our people. You know, if my people are happy, my, my guests will be happy. Welcome to the How They Lead podcast, hosted by Benjamin Wade and Ben Stocken. This podcast is dedicated to exploring the world of high performance, showcasing examples of how individuals and teams can reach their full potential. Together, they'll be inviting amazing guests who have defined or represented high performance in their own right. From world record breakers to individuals who have achieved first in their fields, the How They Lead podcast will showcase a diverse range of guests, each with their unique stories and insights to share. So join us as we challenge traditional ways of doing things, explore new ideas, methods and possibilities, and evolve the way people perform. Welcome to the next episode of How They Lead, our podcast where we're talking, having conversations with people who are at the forefront of leadership, on the rock face, some might say. We're trying to build a bank of leadership lessons that people can tap into, take back to their business and deploy with their team to be either a better person, better individual, team player, or help enhance their business. So today, really excited to hear your pretty extensive background and some of those insights that you can offer up both to us and to our listeners as well. I'll hand over to Ben for a little intro and dive straight in. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Raj, lovely, lovely to see you again. We, we know each other because I had the pleasure of, of presenting to the St. Julian Scholars session a few weeks ago. And I really, I loved the conversations that, that we had. And I thought, here's someone that we, we, must, we must get on the podcast to, to share Thank their you. experience and ideas. So Raj, it'd be great if you could give us, give us a rundown of, of your journey so far. Yeah. So my name is Raj. I'm the general manager of the Spa Hotel. This is the flagship of the group, McDonald's Hotel Group. So, uh, how, how I got here? Um, yeah, it, 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 it's a strange journey how I got here, really. I, I can write a book about it. And um, it'll be a couple of series, by the way, if I write a book. <laughs> so, I was born in India. I grew up in a family. Uh, my dad was a chartered accountant. Uh, my mom was head teacher of a school, you know, specialized in history. Um, you know, since... Since I'm a little, I was very, I'm intrigued on cooking and all the spices that, you know, as my background is from India, you know, I was very intrigued and I, I loved the cooking bit. So um, as from an Indian family, you know, they all wanted to be doctors or engineers or all of that, but I wanted to be a cook. Uh, that didn't go down well. That, that did not go down well with my dad. And I was the only child. So I did my hotel management. Um, then I got a scholarship to do my degree in Robert Gordon University. So while, when I finished my degree, I got very lucky. I got a chef called um, Andy Jeffs. He used to be the head chef uh, with Nico's. Chef Nico was a um, two-meter restaurant in Park Lane. I had the privilege of meeting him, and he invited me to come and work for him in London. So I worked with him for three years, and I 
I was so intrigued by his skills. Um, and he had a big house. So I said, listen, can I, can I come and live in your house? So he said, yeah, why not? So I lived with him for two years. Um, and then, you know, my career really kicked off from there. And with, with the degree in hospitality, I know it helped me now. But at that stage, you know, I, I really met some really strong-minded people in my life. Then I worked with a chef called Henrik Iverson. You know, it was, it was amazing. He went to Australia after that. Then I went to, um, went to Grafner Square Marriott where, you know, Jason was there. Jason Otterton, you know, was closely, closely working with him for three years. And then the general manager of Grafner Square was a gentleman called Kevin Kelly. He, he, the way he nurtured me, you know, the way he bring me to who I am today, I still call him boss. I still respect him like my dad because I left home such a young age, you know. He, he made me who I am today. He's the general manager now in Dove Mountain in USA. And he, he run one of the best hotel in the world now. He's a general manager there. And everything I do now still, I run past him. So um, it's, it's, I have given my heart out to where I am today. But sometimes you have to have that mentor, you know, who believes in you, who gives you that extra bit that makes you who you are today. And this is exactly what I try to do to my guys, you know, to give them whatever I got and get them to be future me, to achieve, you know, where, where I got to from cooking, you know, at home to, you know, I cook for Princess Anne. I, I did some big stuff, you know, at home house, I cooked for Madonna for, for a month and a half. So I did some really big stuff. And, and then I, from Marriott, I opened St. Pancras Renaissance, which was the best thing. I've ever done 11.5 million FMB revenue. That was big. From there, um, I went and joined McDonald Hotel Group as a group chef, as a regional group chef. Then one day I was driving my CEO from Oxford to Bath. And he said to me, Raj, what do you want to be in five years? I said, uh, in five years time, I want to run Bath Spy as a general manager. So he turned around and told me, what can I do to make it happen? I said, I said, I need to be more exposed to the elements. At this moment, I only know what I know. So then within three months, within three weeks, I got a, I got an email from him uh, putting into a general manager's development program. Um, I did that for six months. And within six months, I was the deputy GM at Complete Angler in Marlow. And when I become that, they told me that within 10 months, you know, how I do, I'll become a GM. And I was a GM within 10 months. So I went to a little hotel called Bear. It's one of the oldest uh, coaching in the UK. Um, I took that business. It was a 1.4 million pound business. When I left in two years time, it was a 2.7 million business. You know, we, we turned it completely around. And, um, and I think they took a gamble with me by giving Bath Spa. So Bath Spa, we, it was about 7.2 million pound business. Now this year, we're going to close to 11.7. You know, we have, we have raised the bar massively. I'm very fortunate. I've got a team of guys that's working with me for a while. Um, I don't know why they follow me, but they love to follow me. <laughs> <laughs> you never know why. And I think, you know, where I am today, yes, I've got the hunger. Yes, you, I've, I want to achieve so much in my life. But the people, the, the leaders in my life that touched me had taught me so much, so much. And I think they're the reason why I'm here today. You know, and I want to give it back. And all the skills I've learned from them, the way they managed me, the way they, you know, when the chips are down, those are the hardest time. 
and then they got me up again, get me going. And I'm, I think, yeah. Well, out of all those years of experience and uh, some really impressive uh, snippets into your background there, what, what would you say that your style is, having taken so much from so many people and from your family as well? In one sort of sentence, could you summarise how, how you lead now? What, what is your style that is so effective today? I am very close to my people. I believe in to get the best out of them, you have to be close to them. You have to understand them. Everybody got individual needs. You can't treat everybody exactly the same way. You know, you, you gotta you gotta treat people the way they are. And all of them has got different needs. So I I respect who they are, what they are, and I change myself to get the best out of them rather than expecting them to change for me to what I want. And do you think that is specific to hospitality? Because all the people that we've spoken to and have been fortunate enough to have on the uh, the podcast who have been involved in hospitality, where they are so close to their clients and customers 24 hours a day, do you think that your leadership style is is changed by the fact that you are always one-to-one with the client? So knowing yeah, the client exactly. to give them the best guest um, experience, that changes how you operate. Exactly that, you know. Exactly. And I, and I, and I believe in lead, leading by examples. I always said to my um, exact team and my HODs that you are at the center stage 24-7. You know, guests are watching you, staff are watching you. Every action that you take has been watched and replicated, you know. So I, like every day, I've, I've, got, a, I've got a daily schedule, you know. I, I, I like to work. For me, everything needs to be there so I go and achieve it. So there's a daily goal, there's an hourly goal. Because I... I I just want to make the best of my time. And I want everybody to do that as well. You know, we're here to make the best of our time, you know. We live for 70 years, 80 years, 90 years. We've got to make best of every hour that we're living. So this is what I try to give it to them, you know. So in the morning, say, during checkout time, I'll be in the lobby. Just having a little chit-chat, you know, understanding the guest journey better, understanding how my people are dealing with them. Then, you know, during service time, I'll poke my nose. I'll be in there with them. And I'm very hands-on being a chef. I'm very hands-on. But then also, when I have to walk away, I walk away. Yeah, that was, that was going to be my question. So my question next to it was going to be, like, obviously, already, like, our listeners and our viewers on YouTube will be able to get your passion, like, your drive. Like, even though you've achieved so much and you just, you threw in all of those, those, those achievements quite quickly when you were talking about your career. And I know that's because you've achieved a lot and we've put some confines on time. but there's something you said there that just picked for me, which is you said you're incredibly hands-on and I can, I can see that. And then you said, but you know when you need, to, you need to stand back and walk away. So, so my question is like, how, do you, how have you learned over time when to, when to jump in versus when to delegate? That is completely experience. You know, time teaches you. Time heals you. Time teaches you. You know, by... Working with some amazing people. I'm not Julian Tomlin. I have to mention him. Um, he's my MD now. He believes in me massively, and he had this, you know, chat with me every week, you know, to make me a, a better manager, a bigger manager, to, you know, for me to become an MD one day and get there. And and by talking to him, by understanding him, now I learn how to walk away from a situation and let my managers handle it. They're there to handle it. And that gives them more confidence as well that my boss believes in me to do my job, you know? So, yeah, yeah, um, it's hard. Trust me, it's so hard to walk away. I cannot tell you. But, you know, once you get used to it, 
the, the happiness is seeing your people are managing a situation. It's more than you jumping in. So like we, we've spoken to a number of, of our podcast guests, but also in the day-to-day work that we do, working with leaders and CEOs and, and owners of businesses, um, that, that hero mode where you get that hit of dopamine, where you're like, hang on, I, I can help here. And, and, and it, you're right, like time, I like the way you said time, time is a healer and a, and a teacher, I think you said. And I think, um, I think that time to realize when you, when you reflect back and, and think, I, I shouldn't have jumped in there because actually I, I kind of, I stopped their growth and I stopped, I stopped their ability to, to do it without me. Very much. So you mentioned your, you mentioned your MD there uh, and the conversations that you've had. Um, how, like, how, how did he draw out that understanding in you that delegating is going to be more powerful? Because, um, so Julian Tomlin, uh, his background, you know, he's been, he was the MD of Penny Hill Park for 18 years. Um, you can tell his background. He is the most calmest, coolest person I've ever met. I cannot tell you how calm the man is. You know, the moment you meet, it doesn't matter what's going around you. The moment you speak to him, you totally calm down. Um, and I don't know how, how, I don't know how to express this, you know. It just, it just, he just makes you believe that, you know, time to walk away. And you as a person needs to know when is the time to walk away. Time to let them do it. It just, I just don't think anybody can teach you that though. You know, when, like the leadership, nobody can teach you to be a leader. Like I was listening to something of yours, Ben, when you said about, you know, in the old times, leaders were born, you know, you're, you're right. But now I think we become a leader of what we learn, the people we meet and the, and, and the work we do to ourselves to become the leader. And some things you can't really teach, you know, it, it comes within. So yeah, yeah. I think I think I I I I kind of resonate. I think you can teach like interventional tools, so we can give you the exactly. toolkit. But but how you apply that toolkit has got to come yeah. from from like purposeful practice, hasn't it? And like yeah, planning it, doing it, reviewing it, and and having like I think exactly. like it sounds you do have have someone who can you can reflect that back to in one to ones. This is what happened. This is what I did. What do you think? Well. Maybe Raj, maybe the chance there was to was to walk away and observe. Of course, and the and, and the people being led have changed, I think, over the generation as well. Yeah. Now, now the people that are being led and on the teams, it's so much more about that sense of pride and passion and culture and goal setting, personal development, as opposed to quite an, an autocratic style. Maybe twenty, thirty years. Absolutely, it's so important. As well, yeah, so important. People having a plan, you know, team like HODs or exec team. Having that personal development plan, you know, we set up three months goals. So we change our goals every three months. So every three months, I set them the goals. And then they come back to me and tell me that, okay, you have set these goals and this is the extra things that I'm going to do for you, you know. But because we set the goals every three months, that conversation is every month. Because three months, three months, three months. And then, you know, it, it works. It works for them. It works for me. Um so yeah, that, I think the, the team that I've got here, you know, some of them are working for me for the last five, six years. And then some of them will go and become probably one of the best GMs, you know. I think, you know, my, my banqueting manager, she has got, she can be an amazing asset, you know, in the near future. Um, my chef, he can be the next GM. He's a very good boy. My FNB manager, you know, what a guy. But if I can make at least one or two of them feature me, that's an amazing success. I would like to make all of them. 
it's really refreshing to hear. And I think since we first started this, this episode and talking to you, you've mentioned goal probably more times than any other word. And it's really interesting to hear because for a lot of our clients, that goal setting or succession planning is almost a bit to do, taboo. For you to sit down with someone and say, would you like my position in sort of four, five, six years time? And then to plan for you to be taken over by someone is a bit of a taboo topic, really. But it's such a hindrance to performance and to high performance team. It's refreshing to hear that it's an open topic. Yeah. Actively sit down and help develop someone and plan that succession. Yeah, you know, my sous chef at St. Pancras was with me for about nine years. He's now the FMB director for Marriott in Europe. You know, my my exec sue is Ron Zambri Manon now. My last operations manager in Bath is now the hotel manager at the Bear. You know, my last rooms division manager here, now operations manager at um, Andrew Brownswood Hotel down the road, Bath Priory. So, you know, it, it's so refreshing to see that these guys are, you know, going out of here and creating something bigger and better for them. And I'm always here for them, you know. They know that they can reach out to me anytime they want. And any advice that I can give to make them better, like Kevin Kelly still does for me, you know. It just, it's, you know that you've got, you've got to fall back to somewhere to get that, you know, advice. So I've got two questions that, that come off the back, Raj. One is a closed one. It's a yes, no one for you. And then the other one um, is going to require some more, some more gray matter. So the first one is, um, it sounds to me like your, your approach to developing, developing people is, is almost to, to develop them to a point where they are too good for their role. Is that right? Correct. Great. Okay. So that, that was the yes, no question. Here's the gray matter one. How do you now, if you're purposefully as a leader, developing people to be better than the role you've got for them, and maybe, um, and maybe you know that purposefully they're going to, they're going to get promoted or, or move elsewhere. How do you create a succession plan behind them? What, what do you do at the moment? Yeah. So I'll give you an example of Megan, who was, um, who joined the company when she was 16 as a waitress. So then um, 2019, just before um, the, um, the whole COVID hit, so we took her in the reception. Then we opened in 2021 for a little bit. But during the lockdown, we keep her on by herself to cancel all the bookings, to handle, to manage, move the bookings and everything. She shined so well. So when I started here, I promoted her to be our assistant reception manager. So we had a reception manager, we had a rooms division manager, we had all of that. So then last year, rooms division manager went in as ops manager because I had ops manager here already at Bath Priory. My front office manager become my rooms division manager and Megan, my assistant reception manager, become my reception manager. So I always have that layer. Bogdan, who is leaving because his mom has got cancer right now, Really sad, sad, sad story. He has to go back to look after, look after his mother. So he started off with us as a supervisor in F&B and worked his way up to the restaurant manager position. So I got him in here. Then I promote him to assistant F&B. So when F&B manager moved on, he become the F&B manager. So then I always like to promote within because I invest a lot of time with my people, you know, and there is... So the achievement is just amazing when you see that you've promoted somebody and they're doing so well, my spa manager. So we had a spa director uh, who used to look after the leisure and spa both. So he left, he went and opened his own business, 
I said, I took my leisure, assistant leisure manager and my assistant spa manager. I said, listen, I want to invest in you. What do you think you tell me for you to become manager in your own department? So they wrote me, did me a presentation. They gave me a three months, six months and a year plan, what they're going to achieve. And you know, Ben, what a fantastic presentation that was. I was blown away. So I took my group director of spa with me, sat him down. I said, listen, you gotta, we got to change. You know, we have got people within our business who can do a better job. Why are we looking elsewhere at outside the company? Let's, let's, let's give that opportunity. So now my leisure manager, leisure manager now, the guy that I promoted, my membership from 520, now I'm sitting at 710, you know, within seven months. My spa manager, you know, like two days ago, we, our columns were not full. So she managed to get this, 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 this special chairs. She put it up in a reception. I came in, I said, what's this, Maria? I said, oh, you know, people went check in. I'm going to give them a five minutes, you know, a little test of that what we can do down there. And she filled all the columns, you know. But it just shows that giving people that opportunity, you know, and believing in them, you can get so much more out of them, you know. And then we had started growing another therapist, you know, to challenge Maria's position, you know. And then automatically the managers gets better. And then it, it just, yeah, yeah. It sounds like it also fosters creativity as well. But you're always changing. You've got a different perspective, like the chair in the, in the reception. You don't get an opportunity for it to go stale or a little bit capacity. You're always introducing new ideas for new people. Yeah, that's a really good yeah. point. So that, and, and here's, here's a, like another interesting bit. So the, when that chair, the massage chair was, was put in reception, yeah. what I just heard from you, and correct me if I'm wrong, is no one asked you if that was okay. It just yeah, happened. Exactly. It just happened. And so there, there's something we can decode there and share with yeah. like with people in, in business, hospitality, sport, et cetera, that actually, you know, there's that trust that it, it appears to me you, exactly. you've been able to foster because you're investing back, you're investing and leaning into your into your teams and their development. Like I can imagine another culture where someone will be like, there's no way I'm going to put that chair, like Raj would kick off in a, in a different culture. So, so you're creating, this, you're creating this, this culture where people feel like they can be entrepreneurial exactly. to, 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 really, to really go for it. So that, that kind of comes back to me. You've got St- Stephen Covey, who wrote, I think, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It talks about- Of course, I've done that. Ah, cool. Okay. I've done so, the Ah, uh, well, maybe this is a bit, this maybe. It made I'm, me cry, I'm, Ben. It made me cry when you sit in the beach and you reflect yeah, on yeah. yourself. It made me cry. Oh, okay. Well, I, I don't want to make you cry today. <laughs> I don't want to make you cry today. But what, 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 I, what I do want to do is I think, I, think I'm, I think we're beginning to decode a bit of how Raj leads. So Stephen Coe, so circle of control, circle of influence, circle of, of concern, but also you've got like, comfort zone so if you use that model you've got circle of comfort and then stretch zone and then and then kind of you know pressure zone or stress zone yeah it sounds to me like your your like your mo for leading people is to not let people sit in their comfort zone for very long exactly keep them in the stretch zone but don't overstress them exactly exactly you know i always say that if you keep doing what you're doing you will stay in the exactly the same spot where you are. If you change your things a little bit, you're going to move a little bit. But when you're going to look back, what you have done in a month's time, you'll be amazed how much you have moved. You know? At, and 
my manager said, if I don't believe in them, then, you know, what's the point of doing, of being here? What was the point of hospitality? Hospitality is all about caring, caring for our guests and our people. You know, if my people are happy, my, my guests will be happy. So it's giving and giving them the, giving them the opportunity and the time to think and, and to create, you know. Um, I think this is why we have moved so much in a, such a short period of time. For a lot of our clients, they sort of aspire to do exactly as you've just described, but they're often unsure about how to communicate or set the boundaries for somebody to be creative within. So, for example, you're the chair that came up uh, from the spa. Everyone knew that you'd be happy because the customers would be happy and it's really creative. But how do you set the boundaries, or some people often call them riverbanks, the parameters to work within so that you don't overstep them? Yeah, yeah. How do you communicate that? Or how do you set that without being too restrictive? Yeah. I think that'd be a good takeaway to, to learn from. Yeah, them. of course. So um, the guys here, they're working with me for a long time. And I'm, I'm a very open book. Like, you know, I am passionate about hospitality. I love what I do. I love where I work. I love my people. So they know my style. They know that what I will accept that, yes, let's do this. And then they know that what I will, I will expect them to come and ask me that, Raj, look, I've got this wacky idea. What do you think? You know, I might say, you know what? Go ahead. Amazing. So one of this group wanted to do duck harding in my gardens. So my um, event manager came up with this idea because people do sheep harding, no problem. Nobody, we, we never did duck harding, right? So I said, she was very scared of me, you know, getting these 20 ducks running around when the leisure guests are in the house. So I said, no, please go ahead. What a cracking idea this is, you know? So I think they know the boundaries, but, you know, and it was such a big hit. The leisure guests were standing around the, around the garden, seeing the people harding the ducks. It was just, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think... I think because I give them so much of the string, they know not to misuse it, I guess. Okay. So I, I kind of just... I, I, need... I know I know what Ben's question is going to be. Yeah, go on. Go on. No, you ask it. I'll see if you... Oh, no, because now <laughs> I think he was going to ask about duck herding, weren't you? <laughs> no. No? No. Okay, so I, I, I think this is the question. Correct me if I'm wrong, okay? Because I, I dial in on how my business partner's brain works a little bit. So... It's a simple one. It's a simple one. Oh, no, a simple no, it's brain. a simple question, not a simple brain. So I think the question is this, Raj. What do you do then when people do take too much of the string? In the past, how have you reset? Yeah. So I'll use your example again. Um, so we've got a function that was coming up. It's a very elderly people, pension people. They can't go up the stairs. Um, so the, rest, the lunch needs to be in the restaurant. And our restaurant tables are very expensive. And um, they're extremely heavy. Like if you try to move them, you can, people can get injured. So I, I said to my, um, one of my events ladies, I said, ladies, I've got no problem, but just tell them that we need to use the restroom tables. We just can't do anything else. So then a um, month ago, I don't know why, I just wanted to check my functions, what's in the books. And I just thought, let me just go and check. So I look at the function sheet. It says restroom tables to be pushed on the side and the round tables to be put on the middle of the restroom, right? I said, okay. So I went to the lady. I said, hey, I thought we had the conversation. And um, I saw that restroom table stood pushed on the side. And oh, yeah, they said it's okay. I said, but was it okay for you though? What do you think? What, what do you think? Um, if you think that was okay, then I'm okay. Oh, no, it's not okay. I said, okay, so you gave me the answer. It's not okay. Then it's, you need to go to the guest and say it's not okay. We want to do, we, we are a five-star hotel. 
We want to do everything right. We don't want to do something that those guests, potential 90 guests, could be my future guest in the hotel. So if they are saying that we are cutting shortcut, so what do you do? So then, you know, she went back to the client and then they came to a common ground. So we're using all the tables now. So this example leads back to your question that you just said to me, that I throw it back at them. That, okay, fine, you want to do this? Do you think it's right? So it makes them think, you know, and once they think it through, they usually come back with the right answer. If they don't, that's when I have to draw that boundary and say, listen, really sorry. Yeah, no, that, that's really good. And I think taking from what uh, the question that I was going to ask that Ben asked, I, I think, and goes back to this goal setting, that actually people can't just assume that they're going to get it right based on what they think that you are thinking. So I think that it comes back to the fact that you rely so heavily on goals. So people know your goal, the whole hotel's goal, the mission exactly. is to please the, the, the customers and the guests. So if they're doing something they think is going to ultimately please the guests, then they will have your backing. Exactly. But a lot of businesses might not rely so heavily on the goals, so people don't really know where the boundaries are in terms of what they can do within that task. Exactly. I think that might, that might be the key, key takeaway here, reliance on the goal. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think the, the, the questioning kind of almost is coaching approach that you gave in that example. It's, it's really powerful, isn't it? You hold the mirror up about someone's decisions and their actions exactly. in, in a different objective scenario to them. You're not in the pressure of making a decision there. And then it's like, now you're away from that. The client's gone. Do you still think you should use those tables rather than, no, I don't. Okay, right. Well, now, now what do you think exactly. you should use? I think that coaching philosophy that I think you have shines through. And it cascades down because then that person is then going to tell the rest of the team, oh, no, the tables don't do this, they do that. And then no one comes to you with that problem anymore. Exactly. So it's a solution that's cascaded down. Exactly. And also, you know, for example, last Sunday, you know, they had a problem with the wedding. So I got a call from the chef. Chef said, oh, you know, do you know what happened? I said, hold on, wait, wait. Is it sorted? Yes. Is the bride and groom happy? Yes. I said, then I don't need to know. That means you guys did an amazing job. I don't need to know, you know. And, you know, by doing that, I think because the, the new wedding manager is very new and, you know, she thought that she's going to highlight to me. I said, listen, Kat, this is how I work. You know, if there is a problem, you as a manager has dealt with it and solved the problem and actually did a better job than on that day if I was here then I don't need to know. My final question then related to that, is, <laughs> and then I promise I'm done. How do you come across as not abdicating your responsibilities then and like the slopey shoulders when someone comes to you and you're like, well, you, you deal with that or I don't need to know. Because quite often as a, a new leader, yeah. they might be reluctant to do that because it appears as if they're not taking on their responsibility. No, so it's what, we, what I'm saying here is if my managers are there and they're sorting the situation out, then... Why do I need to undermine them? I hate undermining because, again, it comes to my chefing background. The taste of the soup is never the same, right? Yeah. As a comedy, you're never right. It never tastes the same, you know? I think since then it's built into me that never undermine anybody. If he comes and tells me something, I never undermine them at all. And because of my open door policies, you know, they're always here. That the, I, I tell them to not knock. If my door is shut, just come in, pop your head in. If you see I'm talking to somebody, just walk away, you know? And hence, I, 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 want, I want them to learn and do things, you know. It's their business as much as mine, as much as my owners, you know. I deal my business as my own business, own money. And I expect them to treat it as their own money, own business. And once it gets built into your manager's head, you'll be amazed to see how 
they react to Aishu, you know? So, yeah. Love it. Sounds like a perfect, perfect place to work, to be honest. Yeah, You're not going anywhere. Yeah. You're not, Raj, don't offer him a job. No. <laughs> no, you know, we have our problems. We have, we've, every, every hotel has got their problem, you know? Every hotel has got their issues when you have got 151 staff. It's a lot of staff, you know? And, you know, it, it's, it, it's hard to keep everybody happy. And, you know, this um, recently, you know, we got to respect the mental health of people. COVID has done such a big damage to that with the young generations. And, you know, it, it's tough. It, it, it's tough how you talk to people, how you deal with people. Again, it comes to dealing everybody differently, you know. And, and I think it's teaching us every day, every day about how we deal with people. You know, it, 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 yeah, life is all about learning, isn't it? The quicker and more you learn, the better person you become. And it sounds like, well, for me, it's coming across that the way that you appear so humble and that actually you don't think that you're the expert in every area in the hotel no. and you're humble enough to realise that you're experts of those people on your team. Exactly. So an amazing follower and you appreciate your team for the skills that they bring to the hotel as well. And then, you know, with, with Kevin Kelly, Kevin Kelly always taught me that surround yourself with people that are better than you. Always surround yourself with the people that are better than you. And that makes you you know, a better person because they te- they're teaching me. Constantly they're teaching me, you know. So I, th- I follow the ethos and I, I'm still trying to carry that on. So, yeah. It's great. Thank you, Raj. Thank you. We've got two more elements left of our conversation together. The first one yes. is, it's called our West Peak question. Yeah. So we founded the business and called it West Peak based on, on, on the idea that you acquire skills and, 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 you know, there's a saying that I think it says that like a little bit of knowledge is dangerous. So people, people acquire skill and they think that's the summit. Like I know this now and then, and then time happens and they realize that wasn't the summit. It was a false peak and there, there's a whole other mountain to climb. So I'm always really interested in, in, in our podcast guests, like what have been some West Peak moments in your career where you thought you've got it nailed and then you see the rest of the mountain you're like, wow. Ooh, ooh. Um, SJS meeting, going there, you know, meeting this. The guy that's sitting next to me is the GM of Nobu, you know, Nobu. The, the hotel takes 65, 70 million pounds a year. You know, looking at him, the way he was act, the way he was talking, you know, I'm a sponge. I soak everything around me. And, you know, if somebody doesn't have the energy, whatever they have got, I suck it up, you know. Like he was sitting next to me and I was keep on plodding him with questions after questions because I want to know more, you know. And I think doing this, like become ISGS, you know, it taught me that how much more I need to learn. Meeting Rob as I am, I, meeting Julian, you know, I think joining the whole, getting the, first of all, getting the, the scholarship from Master in Olders. By the way, I'm going to Cornell University. I'm flying on Friday to finish my uh, GM, GMP program in, from next to New York. Um, you know, on the day when I was interviewing for the course, you know, it was tough. It was tough. We had some really big hitters in there. And meeting those people was really West Peak moment, making me realize that how much more, you know, I've got to do, I've got to give, and I've got to soak up to, you know, become who they are now, you know. So, yeah, there we go. You gotta gotta squeeze the sponge to be able to fill it up. Absolutely. To learn more, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Brilliant. Thank you. Right. 
Quick fire round. Quick fire right. round. Brace, brace yourself for us, okay? So a couple of questions just to uh, to finish off motivation or... I will choose motivation because if you have got the motivation, you can discipline yourself. Finish, finish this sentence, okay? The future is... Beautiful. Qualifications or experience? Oh, oh. I'm really sorry. I've got to go with qualification. Next one. Um, my biggest mistake is... I think the one thing that I really regret is when I left my parents, I was so motivated and so focused, so goal-oriented to become who I am today. Being a single child, I think I could have done more for them, but I choose my career and myself more over my parents. And I regret that every day of my life now. Well, thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing that. Last two. Well, it's hard to go on from that one. I, I think we have to. I think we have to. <laughs> okay. Go on. Uh, preparation or action? Preparation. Always. Okay. Last one. Last one. Feedback is? Great. Feedback It's the great. best thing in the world. We'll ask for feedback on our, our performance as hosts afterwards, off the air. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Raj, thank you. Thank you so much. It's been, it's been an absolute pleasure to have someone with so much passion, experience and, and humility on the podcast. We've loved it. Yeah, I think we've taken a lot from this podcast. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for joining us on the How They Lead podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and learned something new about the world of high performance. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. And don't forget to subscribe to the How They Lead podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. Until next time, keep pushing yourself to reach your full potential and evolve the way you perform. And remember, just because something has always been done a certain way, doesn't mean doing it a new way can't work. <laughs>